0: Turn with me again this evening, if you would, in the Scripture to Matthew 6 and Luke 14. Matthew 6 and Luke 14. Now, as uh, Pastor said, if you were not with us in these previous sessions, it would you'd get the most out of tonight if you had heard those things. This is a, a series, you might say, and we're building upon what we have... Uh, ministered the last few sessions and we've been talking about the first principle and you see the text here in matthew 6 and in verse 32 matthew 6 32 jesus is speaking and he said for after all these things talking about natural things Food and drink and clothes and things necessary for the natural man. After all these things do the Gentiles seek. We'd say today the, uh, the world, those not saved, those not serving God. That's what they're doing. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What is the first principle? This is the first principle. The first principle is the principle of putting God first. How do you put God first? His things, his works, his kingdom his kingdom is, is His domain and His rule. We're in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is in us. Amen. And that should be our priority. Right. Amen. Amen. We should understand that that's why we exist. Yes. That's why we breathe. Amen. Is yes. because of God yes. that's right. and His creation and His plan and His kingdom. You know, uh, individuals, even highly educated individuals, try to tell us that all that exists is just the result of some random thing, some random, chaotic, big bang, some uh, long chance situation of evolution, that it was from the goo to the zoo to you. Laughter. And that the only difference between you and a monkey or an ape is several uh, million years, whatever, of evolution. But there's a reason why those missing links are missing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's amazing that people do not find significance in the word theory of evolution. And they try to tell us that Genesis 1 is a theory. And that evolution is a fact. Genesis 1 is a fact. Evolution is a theory. And we who are in God should not be confused about what's going on. God created all this. He created us. Man has not evolved to the high place he is now, he has devolved. It's not evolution, it's devolution. I'm serious. Man has not man was created in the family and being of God. Amen. In the very likeness and image of God. Uh, not grunting in a cave. Able to sit and commune with God in the cool of the afternoon on His level and say, God, that is an amazing sunset. How did you do that? And God explain it to them and them fully understand it. But now, man, through sin, has fallen and devolved to the point where many are living like animals. And their understanding is darkened. No, there are lies being taught as fact in our schools and universities. Amen. And it ought not be all right with us. Did you hear me?
1: Yes.
0: But we need to realize that just the nine to five of life and the routines of our normal things. Is not why we're here. Amen. But we're in the kingdom. And God's got something going on. He didn't just give this thing a spin and forget about it. He's very involved with it. And our whole being and our life and existence should be in our thinking and mind and our every breath and waking hour and moment inseparable from the plan of God. Do you believe that? Amen. Sit out loud with me. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All these things referring to the pursuits of uh, natural needs, clothing Food, we might say housing, all these things, what you need, what your family needs, what your kids need, etc., etc., etc. Those things are not to be our first priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and you'll find that these things will come behind. Amen. 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 And that the Lord Himself will add them to you. And I'm telling you, there's a principle here, friend. If you take care of God's things... He will take care of your things. He's faithful. But if you spend all your time on your things, and you ignore and put His things way down the list somewhere, then you're not going to be able to have your things. And if you get a hold of something, it'll slip through your fingers. And if you do get something, it won't satisfy you. Because your priorities are wrong. And you're not seeking first. You're violating the first Principle. Amen. Say it one more time, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Say, I believe it. I believe. Now look in the 14th chapter of Luke. We had taken time a couple of uh, nights ago about. This passage beginning in verse 16 of the Great Supper and how that the Lord invited many and people begin with uh, making excuses and saying, I've got to do this so I can't come. Another one, I've got to do that so I can't come. And uh, how the Lord did not understand that they were too busy to do what he invited them to do, but was very angry with them and gave the opportunity to somebody else instead. And they missed out. And the scripture tells us if you read Matthew's account of this, it it ends it up by saying many are called, but few are chosen. Why is that? Because few respond. The call goes out. There's a call in the Spirit. If you could hear it, God is calling people to him to become Christians, to serve him, but then also to serve him. In ministry of different kinds. Everybody has a ministry. Amen. Now it's a relatively small percentage of the body of Christ that are supposed to be speaking gifts. And stand up behind a pulpit. And yet everybody has a ministry. Amen. Everybody. Some type of ministry helping the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Amen. Everybody. Everybody has spiritual and supernatural gift or gifts in them. Many have never discovered what they are, and they've never developed in them, but they're there. I said they're there. You are graced to do certain things. And one way you can find out about it is what other people might find difficult just seems to come natural to you. Well, that doesn't just mean because you're so good, you're graced. (laughs) You're graced. But you need to be using it in the kingdom furtherance. Do you understand there's some of these things people are born with? Some of these graces and gifts you're born with. Others are added when you're born again. Others are added when you're filled with the Spirit. Others are added as you obey God and are faithful. But you'll see individuals in the world, some of them high profile entertainers or actors or this or that, and they are actually... Uh, Abusing gifts and graces that were given them at birth that are supposed to be being used in the kingdom. They're gifted. They're graced in certain ways. And they think it's just me. I'm hot stuff. I can do that. But it's the grace. I said it's the grace. And there are to be no idle individuals in the body of Christ. And there really is no such thing as retiring. Amen. Amen. People say, well, I'm retired, and they think that's an excuse to do nothing. No, you retire when the trumpet sounds. Amen. <laughs> or when you finish your course and go to be with Jesus. Everybody, say everybody. Everybody. everybody, everybody. From, from the least one to the oldest one and everybody in between, everybody is supposed to be working. Amen. Doing something for the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 Sometimes people have the wrong mentality in church. They think, well, you know, if I get up and I get dressed and I get there, especially if I put something in the offering, well, then I've done my deal. (laughs) And you just look at the ministers and go, okay, I'm here and I do your thing. Bless me. Minister to me. But no, the gifts that the Lord has given the church are for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen. For the edifying and building up of the body of Christ. The the, the this is kinda of like the locker room. Amen. 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 We come in here and get pep talks and get get you know ministered to and and then we should throw the doors open and all run out and go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> His coach Mike is in here and he said, Do you really want to win this game or not? <laughs> what are y'all doing out there? Play! Amen! This is not a social club. This is not a place to come and be entertained. This is a place to come and get built up and find out what your gifts and graces are and stir up and pray and believe God and. Get full and then go out. Amen. Amen. Help people all around about you. That's right. So I ain't a preacher. I'm not talking about preachers. That's right. I'm talking about believers. Amen. Just Christians. Amen. Being a witness. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Well, let's keep reading in Luke 14. Luke 14, Jesus said in verse 26, If any man come to me, Luke 14, 26... And hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, and his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Amen. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Amen. A disciple is a follower of Christ. He's the master, we're the disciples. Amen. Amen. He's the master, we're the learners. Amen. He's the master, we're the pupils. But our objective is to learn exactly how he does things and do them exactly like he does them. Amen. 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 Like Paul said, I'm, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but I'm forgetting those things that are behind. And I'm reaching forth, right. pressing Amen. toward the mark Amen. for the prize of the high calling of God Amen. in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? What is the mark? What is the bullseye? It's being just like Jesus. Amen. 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 We're his disciples. But if you're going to be his disciple, you can't have anything else pulling you away or distracting and taking away from your time and focus with him. He's got to be it. Yes. Amen. 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 And what does it mean here if any man come to me and he doesn't hate his father and mother and his wife and his children and his brothers and his sisters? If you look up that word hate here, uh, vines and strongs and thayers and different ones, it they, they will it'll give you the understanding that it has to do with comparison and it has to do with detesting or despising. Now we know we're not supposed to hate people per se. So, remember First John said if you hate your brother, then you're a murderer. And you don't have eternal life abiding in you. So you have to interpret scripture in the light of other Scripture. But what's he saying? When you get hungry for God, you'll get this way. And when you get it in your heart, I'm following Jesus all the way. Then anybody or anything that holds you out of that and keeps you back from following him fully, you, including your own self, your own feelings and flesh, you will come to detest it. Amen, man. Amen. And it has to do with choices and preferences. And it needs to be very clear uh, you know, that's what Jesus said. He said, you think I'm, I've come to bring peace to the earth? He said, i tell you, no, but division. And you'll find that the individuals will have enemies in their own household. And he talks about all that. Why? Because you've got to make up your mind. I'm following Jesus no matter who likes it or who doesn't. Amen. 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 And if anybody, I don't care if it's mother or father, Amen. or sister or brother, Amen. or whoever says, "Well, you can't, you're gonna to have to pick between me and Jesus," we have to say, "Well, I'm sorry, Amen. bye." Amen. Because Amen. when it comes between you and Jesus, there ain't no choice. That's right. I made that choice when I received Him as Lord of my life. Amen. That choice is made. Amen. Amen. But then you need to be just that strong when it comes to yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yourself. I've had people sometimes they want to try to tell you what to do in ministry, in your ministry, or in services or in meetings. I finally told one individual, I said, uh, "Look, I don't even do what my own mother wants me to do. I don't even do what I want to do myself. I endeavor with—I'm sure I've made some mistakes—but I endeavor to do exactly what the Lord is directing me to do. Amen. Amen. And if you're not your own Lord," That's the way your whole life is. Amen. That's the way your whole life is. Turn with me to Proverbs. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Now we begin um, two sessions ago talking about these things, and we ask the question, How uh, practical ways of how I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. How do I do it? And we talked about that first and foremost, it is an adjustment of heart. Yes. And this is huge. It's not just doing some things outwardly. And you, you you, know, that's what happens with people in their resolutions like we talked about. It's a good idea, but they never really made the adjustment in their heart. So it can't last. Amen. Amen. It's doomed before they start. Yeah. Outward things are not what we should focus on. Get it done inside, and it'll work outside. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The challenge is to get it done inside. If you get changes in your heart, then changes outside will be forthcoming. I mean, that's true with anything. Uh, If it's healing, you get healing in here. Amen. You get yourself to the place where you actually believe you're healed. And you see that you are healed inside. Then it'll happen out here. Amen. Amen. But you don't just snap your fingers and you believe it. Just because you heard a good message and so said, yeah, hallelujah, buy a some hill," That didn't mean you got it in here. I right. said, so how could you tell if you got it in here? You get excited. excited. Amen. I said, you get excited. Even while your body's still hurting, even while you got a bad report, you get excited. Because every time you look in here, you see you healthy and running and scaling a wall. And, Amen. 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 You can see it. Yes. Amen. Once it happens in here, it'll happen outside. Same thing with prosperity. The big challenge is not God getting money to you. He can do it. The big challenge is Him getting you to see you as prosperous. That's right. That's, right. That's the challenge. That's right. I know I grew up relatively poor. And I'm telling you, God, God had His work cut out. <laughs> like He did with you. <laughs> getting me to see me as rich That's right. i just did not though i heard many many messages i still looked in the mirror and saw a guy that was either poor or maybe middle class y'all are getting quiet now <laughs> even though you stand in the in the church meeting and you go yeah glory to god we're prosperous we're prosperous when it gets quiet and it's just you and God there, Amen. how do you see you? That's
1: right. Amen.
0: How do you see you? That's the challenge. And when you get it in here, then it's just a matter of time till it affects your pocketbook and your purse and your accounts. Amen. All those things. But the challenge is getting it in here. Yes. Amen. Getting it in here. Vision. Well, uh, we gave you two things, I didn't tell you what the, uh, I described it, but I didn't tell you precisely what we were talking about last night. But practical ways of how to seek God first, one, we said, is with your time. You might remember that if you were with us, we talked about that. Last night, I, w- I didn't tell you this, but we were talking about with your pursuits. These overlap, but we divide them for teaching purposes. With your pursuits. What you're pursuing. And we talked a lot last night about your own life versus His life. Now, thirdly, this evening, we'll talk about how we seek God and put Him first. And one way we do it is with our possessions. (laughs) Possessions. Possessions. Proverbs 3, are you there? Yes. In Proverbs, the third chapter, we'll begin in verse 9. It says, honor the Lord. Would would seeking the Lord and putting Him first be involved in that? Honor the Lord with what? Yes, honor Him with your words. Yes, honor Him with your praise. Yes, honor Him with your worship. Honor Him with your time but also honor him with your substance, with your stuff, and with the first fruits. There's that word first. First fruits of all your increase, so shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Should we put God first in every area of our life? Would finances and material possessions be included in that? Yes. Or do we leave them out? Like some individuals said, you know, the, when one guy said, well, in one certain church, he thought that when the people got baptized, that they were baptized with their pocketbooks in the air like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> that part <laughs> didn't get sanctified to the Lord. And there is so much talk about prosperity, for it, against it. There just so much has been said. A lot of good things and some not so good. And there have been so many different slants on things. And there's even been some folk that they had an ulterior motive, you know in preaching prosperity, and that was because it would affect them, personally, and ministerially. But it doesn't change the fact that there is a lot in the Word of God on the subject. A lot. And people should not pull on you to give. Did you hear me? They should not. I'm not going to tonight. I'm not getting ready to make some big pull. I'm not going to present you with some project. Tell you what you ought to do. But I will tell you this. You should. And if you want to have God's fullest. You must. Put him first. In your finances. Amen. 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 And I'm going to tell you what we have learned. And what we're doing. It's amazing to me that. A lot of preachers believe you're supposed to give to me, but they don't give. Where is giving supposed to stop? Is it supposed to keep flowing right on through? Anything that does not have an inflow and an outflow is going to stagnate. Anything. Anything that's living and fresh is going to be flowing. Flowing in, flowing out. Now, it's already quiet in here. (laughs) Um, When it comes to putting God first in your finances, there are several practical ways that you do it. Of course, tithing is one of them. But I think what people miss is that in this new covenant Nothing is acceptable To be done in a legal fashion Just because you take a calculator And you figure 10% of your income And you write a check And you put it in the plate That does not automatically mean That you pleased God Or that you will be blessed Amen. Amen. Because the most important thing About your giving Is your heart your heart. Right. Amen. And if the heart's not there, then you're not pleasing God. That's right. And you'll not be blessed. Amen. We mustn't do anything just mechanically. That's right. And I, I don't really use the phrase this much about paying tithe. I usually talk about tithing the tithe. Now, I wouldn't be argumentative about that phrase. There's a way you could use that that would be okay. But the reason I don't use it that way is because I want to separate in my mind any connection between paying tithes like paying a bill. You ought not pay tithes like you pay your utilities. you ought not do it out of a sense of obligation or out of a sense of condemnation if you don't do it. Amen. So the the objective, and I think some ministers have missed it, in that their big focus is, was getting the people to tithe and give. That's not the objective. The objective is getting folk to want to. Amen. 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 <laughs> Because God's I'm telling you, God is big on this. If you don't want to do it, He doesn't want you to do it. That's right. That's right. God is not hurting financially. Right. <laughs> A lot of His people are. Some of His works are. But He's not. And we need to make some radical changes because He's been misrepresented to the world by His people. The idea's been left. Please give. Please give. Come on. If y'all don't give, we ain't going to make it. Please, please. Like, it's a great privilege for us to receive your money. When the reverse is true. I said the reverse is true. The truth is, if you don't obey God, he'll get somebody else that will. That's right. And the kingdom is not going to fold up. And the church is not going to fold up. Because you backslide and don't want to give. Don't care who you are. So, the big thing, like we've already been talking about, how do you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Now, don't think that this is a side issue. Well, why do you have to go get on money? Um, to do the job, first of all, the Lord led me to, okay? In End the, in of the discussion. But you can't deal with this properly unless you deal with this, because what do you spend so much of your time doing? I mean, if, you, if you're if going to put God first, and you do, people say, well, you know, money don't matter that much to me. And well, why do you spend uh, the best of your youth and most of your waking hours getting some? That's right. No, people say all kinds of stuff, but money's a deal. Yes. Yeah. What we need is honesty and integrity. We need truth. Amen. We need a right heart. Yes. We need things done according to the Word and according to faith Amen. and love. Yes. Amen? Yes. So don't let all of the junk that has happened wherever with whoever taint you or turn you off. And I'm not going to tell you tonight uh, who to give anything to or what to give necessarily. But you need to get stirred up in your heart that you love God and He's first and that includes your money. Amen. 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 It includes your money. I know, like I said, uh, I and Phyllis too, we grew up relatively poor, like a lot of you did. I don't mean that we went hungry. We didn't. Now, we lived out on the farm. We grew a lot of our stuff. You know, we, we wasn't going to go hungry. But we didn't have a lot of things. And didn't, didn't miss them. You don't know any better when you're little. You know, you don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. But after I got up a little older and I began to look around and see what some other folk had, I realized, you're poor. Of course. I understand there's there, there's more to wealth than just money. I mean, when you got a family that stays together and loves each other and loves you, and you know you know they're not trying to kill each other every night and not beating you every other day. I mean, that's prosperity, isn't it? I'm, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not saying feel sorry for them at all. I mean, I had a good childhood. But as we answered the call and entered the ministry and even went to Raymond, and even after we'd been out of Raymond, been in the ministry for some years, traveling and doing different things, we were still just scraping by. I mean, just, you ever felt like you were half a nostril above water? I mean, just, just a little bit more and you're going down. You're, you're going under. You're barely making it barely making it, and then you get behind. Well, when you're barely making it, it was taking everything you had just to make it. Now you've got to do that plus, catch up, and the pressure can be terrible. And we rock along like that year after year. I got, you know, there were situations where I wanted to give to certain things so bad and I just didn't have anything. You want to do something that costs $10 and can't do it. And I remember one evening, I I came in and went in the bedroom, shut the door by myself and just fell across the bed. The thing was just in me so strong. I just began to weep. I said, God, this is not right. I know this is not right. And I know you're not doing this to me. And I know this is not your will. But help me. I know this is not your fault. Show me what I need to see. Open my eyes. If if you told me things and I'm, I'm not doing them, remind me. Have mercy on me. Help me to see, show me, bring me out of this. And the Bible says when you cry out to the Lord and with all your heart, he'll hear you. Amen. Amen. And, and he did. Amen. And he, he will answer you and, and he did. And it, it seemed like for, from that point for about five years that every day he was talking to me and ministering to me about prosperity. Now he's still teaching, but I mean it was intense. Just just all the time I'm seeing things, seeing things. And the further I went, the more I saw that most of it I already knew. But I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing. He even said this to me. He said, There is a misconception in your circles. A misconception. I said, what, what is it, Lord? A misconception. He said, There's a misconception. He's talking about charismatic word and faith and what have you. He said, There's this idea that if you will get in enough meetings and read the Bible enough and hear enough tapes, that your problems will be solved. I thought, Boy, well, that's sure so. We do have that conception that, that we, I mean, we use the phrase all the time just get in the Word. That's right. Amen. And if you'll get in the Word enough, It'll solve your problems. That's not true. I said, that's not true. You need to get into work. But all no matter what you hear or what kind of meetings you're in, it will not benefit you unless you become a doer of it. Unless you begin to do it, unless you begin to practice it. That's the only thing that's going to change your life. You can have everybody in their brother and sister pray over you and prophesy over you. You can have everybody in their sister and brother and cousin's tape series. You can have notes coming out of your ears and be just as bound as you were twelve years ago. Amen. What will break it when you actually start doing it on Monday morning and Tuesday afternoon. Amen. Amen. And week in and week out. And month after, whether it looks like it's working or not, you're committed to it. And you do it, and you do it, and you do it. You keep doing that, things will begin to break. They'll begin to change. You'll begin to see results. Because the Word cannot fail. Cannot. But the first thing He showed me and dealt with me about was this Scripture I've been talking to you about every day. Matthew 6.33. He took me to that verse, and he said, "You're not doing this in your finances." Well, we we tithed most of the time. We we gave. I mean, I'm, I'm a Ray McGred at this time. I know I know some things about it, but he took me to this passage. He said, "You." Uh, he, he actually said that. He said, "Many of my people know this." but are not doing it they're not doing this and and he began to minister to me and i begin to see what he's talking about most people they go to they get their jobs get their education they get their jobs or they just get their jobs and they get the loans and they work to pay off the loans and when the money comes in their first and foremost thinking is i've got my house payment I've got insurance, the kids need this, uh, we've got to pay the dentist, and da-da-da-da. And, you know, we need to give something to the church. You have already violated the first principle of prosperity. And this is where the bulk of Christians are. You've got masses of Christians that will come give a little nothing once every couple of months and just feel like that they ought to be patted on the back for the rest of the year. But that's not putting God first. I said that's not putting God first. Now we're going to find out about how serious you are tonight. All hey, right. Are you ready? Do you want to be the Lord's disciple? Totally in every way. then He has to be first in every area of your life. And if you're really serious about prospering in God and getting to the place where you can really be a blessing Mm -hmm. to the church and ministries and other people, there's no way around this. So I went back and I studied tithing and I studied offerings. I mean, I'm talking about for years now. I mean, went through it and back through it in the New Testament and the Old Testament and and, and, you know, there, there are references in the New Testament to tithing. Uh, Jesus, some individuals were talking about how they tithed, even on very, very small things. And Jesus said, you ought to have done this, but not to leave the other undone. So Jesus said, you ought to tithe. And he made this statement. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Right. Amen. And unto God Amen. the things that are God's. Does God have some things that are his? Yes. yes. What are his? Well, if you read the whole Bible, then you see phrases in Leviticus and different places. It says, the tithe is the Lord's. And yet, you've got people that it just irks them for you to talk about it. I mean, it bothers them. They want to get all miffed and bent out of shape and say, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. I just believe we ought to be led. Well, I believe we ought to be led too. But if you're consistently doing less under this new and better covenant than they did under the old covenant, you're not being led. And why would people fuss about 10%? Because 90% ain't enough. I want it all. And whether they mean to say it or not, they're saying... God doesn't have any of mine. All that's mine is mine. I work hard for it and this, this is my money. And none of this money God's money. But is that true? No. No. Is some of it His? Yes. Now this is a big point, friend. You've you got to get this in cement. What is His Amen. and what is mine? Amen. Amen. His is His. Amen. I don't use His. Amen. I don't spend His. I don't even borrow his. His is his. And mine is mine. Now, as a minister, I got to know this. Some ministers have gotten confused about it. I mean, sometimes people say, Well, Brother Keith, you know, I'm going to bless you. And and they they, they send an offering into the ministry and they act like they gave it to me personally. But if it's the ministry's, it's not mine. I'm thankful for it, but you understand what I'm talking about. I've got to know, and the IRS wants me to be sure, (laughs) about what is the ministry's and what is mine. There's got to be a very big line drawn here. But that's not just for me. That's not just for a church or for a ministry. Everybody needs to have that line drawn very clearly and very plainly as to what's his. And what's yours? You might say, well, 10%, that's a lot of money. Well, you, most folk pay the government more than that. Amen. Yeah, right. Do we support our government? We believe in and support our government more than we do the kingdom of God? See how much shouting goes on when you, when you start to, <laughs> talking about this? I'm telling you what I learned. Go, go with me to Haggai. <laughs> now Haggai is in the Old Testament. It may be back there where your pages are stuck together. But if you just go to the very end of the Old Testament. Go to Malachi. And just start backing up. You'll come to Zechariah. And just keep backing up. And there you'll be at Haggai. There you go. I'm sharing with you what the Lord told me, how he dealt with me about me, about my finances, and what we've done and what's working for us. We're, you know, I was looking over our notes last night. We're having our board meeting back home for our ministry as soon as I get in, and we gave more personally and ministry than we've ever given before last year. And that's the way it ought to be. And next year ought to top that. And the next year ought to top that. If you look at your figures and you gave less, then you ought to sit down and think about it. And say, what happened? Well, you may not want to admit it, but what happened is something else was more important to you. If you want to find out your priorities, it's not such a huge mystery and so elusive. Look at what you spend the most time on Amen. and doing. Consider how, what you spend the most time thinking about and pursuing. And see what you spend the most money on. Did you hear me? Yes. What do you spend the most money on? You cannot spend the same money twice. Everything you spend on you, you cannot give. That's right. That's right. Everything you give, you cannot spend on you. That's it's right. a choice. That's right? right? Nice. And what people do again and again, and I'm not throwing any stones, we've done it. We've done it. Is to get yourself in a position, get in debt to where you've got something, and that's what the enemy is always trying to get folk into a situation where all of their money is going to something else. But really, you made the wrong decision when you decided to get the thing. When you signed the line. You should have been thinking, can I increase my giving and still do this? And if you couldn't say you could, then you say, well, we're going to have to wait on this. Amen. And put God first. But what people do is they say, well, I'm just going to go ahead and get this and commit to all these payments. And, and then I'm going to believe God too for money to give to Him. You violate it. The first principle. Now, uh, the Lord took me to this passage in Haggai when he was teaching me about this. I'm talking about what he said to me now. Maybe you're way on out beyond where I was at. I don't know. Maybe you already got this nailed. But for the person that might not. Haggai 1 verse 2. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. He said, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. The Lord had me read this. It's just two chapters here in Haggai. He had me read this. And I'd read it, and then he'd deal with me. Go read it again. And I'd read it again. And a month had passed. He said, Go read it again. And I'd read it again. And I wound up reading. I marked it over here. I read 10, 20, 35 times. Maybe you're quicker than I am. I don't know. But (laughs) finally, I took my pen one day. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. I I took my pen and I wrote Matthew 6, 33. And I saw what he was getting across to me. The prophet came to these people and he spoke by the word of the Lord and he said to them, this people are saying that the time hasn't come, the time to build the Lord's house. Now, The people weren't saying, we're not going to build the Lord's house. What were they saying? Just not right now. We're not going to do it right now. And why were they saying it? Verse 3, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai to the prophet, and he said, is it time for you? Oh, you to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. You said it's not time to build the Lord's house, but you're building yours. Well, it's not time to build the Lord's house. He said, yeah, but is it time for you to build yours and develop yours? Well, we've got to get our stuff taken care of. And as soon as we do, we're going to jump on that church project. <laughs> you are in for a lot of problems. Yeah. Your prosperity will be held back. That's right. Because you're violating the first principle. You're putting your stuff first. Verse 5, he says, consider your ways. You've sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. There's a lot of Christians right there. I mean, they've been sowing and doing some things and they work hard. But man, where does that money go? Seem like they've got a hole in their purse, of their pocket. And it's not enough. It is not normal for Christians to not have enough. We're supposed to have more than enough. And when we go month after month and year after year and we don't have enough and our check doesn't reach until we get another check and we're not reaching, we're not making it, we are not in and doing the perfect will of God. Amen. He said, consider your ways. Check up on what you're doing. Get your bank books out. Look at your statements. Where's your money going? Who is first in your life? Who are you putting first? Verse 7, he said, consider your ways. Verse 8, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. He's talking about my house. Build my house, and I'll take pleasure in it, and I'll be glorified, says the Lord. How many believe it'd go better for you if you really start putting God first? Look in the second chapter. The second chapter and the 15th verse. What happened is when they heard the word of the Lord, they repented. And they all jumped in, and they started working on this house. I guess if they had stuff, projects of their own, they put them on hold. And they started working on this house. And after they were doing that, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came through the prophet again. And verse 15, he said, I pray you, consider from this day and upward, from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. See, wh- wh- where would that be? That was just when they decided to do it. They hadn't even started on it physically, but they decided, we're going to do it. We're going to put his stuff first. We're going to build this house. See, God sees your heart. That's right. And from the time that adjustment was made and that commitment in their heart, He said, you watch. Since those days were when one came to, to a heap of 20, there were just 10. And when you came to press out 50, there were just 20. There was blasting and mildew. He's talking about lack and not reaching. Verse 18, though. Consider now from this day and upward, from the 4 and 20th day of the ninth month, the very day you made the decision, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, you started on it. Consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? The vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree has not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. From the day you genuinely started putting me first. Let's talk about tithes and offerings. You need to make up your mind. Not just because I said something about it tonight. Get in the Bible. Study it. Talk with your spouse. Don't let this thing alone till you get it settled. Does the tithe belong to God? The tenth. Is it His? Well, I don't know. Find out. I don't care if you have to burn the midnight oil. Don't take somebody's word for it. You search it out. You study it out. Get out your concordance. Look up every verse that has anything to do with tenth and tithe and tithing. Get it straight. Get it settled. Make up your mind whether the tithe is yours or his. Whether it's true that, well, bless God, I worked hard for it. It's my money. 100% of it's mine. If I want to give God a little bit sometime, I will, but it's mine. Or, what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that was not given to you? (laughs) What's the answer to that? Nothing. Nothing. He said, and if you received it, why do you boast as though you hadn't received it? You'll find some of the most angry and antagonistic people against prosperity, some of them are rich people. Reason being, they want to take credit for their own prosperity. They want to say, look, now I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm a self-made man or woman, and I'm my own man. Well, then you ain't God's man. That's right. Amen. And you are sorely deceived. I worked hard. I, I walked in the snow. I mortgaged everything I had. I worked my fingers to the bone. I did this. You couldn't have gotten out of bed in the morning and found the door except by the grace and mercy of God. Who made you? Take a breath. Who gave you that breath? Why does your heart continue to beat? There it goes again. Why? Did you make it beat yourself? No, you didn't. You had to have several heartbeats to go to work. (laughs) It is such ignorance. It is such haughtiness and arrogance to not acknowledge that God is the giver of every good gift, every good thing that is in your life. You would not have any money, no car, no house, no clothes, no food, except He gave it to you. He gave it to you. Well, if he gave it to you, ought you not to honor him yes. Yes. with the first part of it? Yes. That's what tithing's all about. Amen. Right. Tithing's not about taking your calculator and figuring 10% and paying it like you do your electric bill. Tithing. Read the scriptures sometime Deuteronomy 26 and Leviticus. Tithing is a part of worship. Amen. That you come into the house of the Lord. You come into the church uh, on on Sunday or Sunday night or Wednesday night, whenever, and you come bringing your tithes and your offerings. You're not waiting for somebody to talk you into it. You, you're committed. You wrote the check before you left the house. You, you, you got it. And you come. And you do not... Nobody's making you do this. Nobody's pulling on you. When you, when you sow it, when you give it, you, when you return the tithe and sow your offering, then you're saying, God, I acknowledge that I would have nothing except what you gave to me. And so I return this part which is yours to you. And I do it gladly knowing that there's plenty where this came from. And you gave me this and you'll give me a lot more. It's faith. It's honor. It's respect. It's worship. Yeah. It's spiritual. It's of the heart. Amen. 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 You do that, and He will rebuke the devourer. He will prosper you. Amen. He will increase you. He will open the windows of heaven. You'll be blessed Amen. if you do it from the heart because you want to. But these things you've got to work out in the floor in prayer and with your Bible and with your own family. That's something somebody talks you into during a service and works you up real good. I think some people tithe mechanically, kind of like paying off the mafia. (laughs) Most of what the church world has done for centuries has been uh, out of a sense of duty or out of a response of condemnation. And none of that can please God. What do you mean like paying off the mafia? Well, you know, in some places the the crime element will come to your shop or your place of business and they'll say, we're selling you insurance. And you say, well, I've already got plenty of insurance. They say, not from us. (laughs) (laughs) And you say, well, uh, I don't need any from you. And they go, yes, you do. (laughs) While they pounce the ball bat in their head, yes, you do. Because, you know, things happen. (laughs) Fires. Break-ins, stuff happens, and we'd hate to see that happen to your shop. And so you've got people that are paying folk off. They don't want to do it, but they're paying them. They write that check every week. And that's the way some people tithe. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it, but they put... I'm talking about the ones that do. A whole lot of people don't. Amen. I said a whole lot of people don't. And they still hadn't made the connection as to why they're having so much problems too. I just can't quite. Well, I don't believe in it, but I can't understand why I'm having so much trouble. But I don't believe in it. But Lord, won't you tell me why I'm having so much trouble? Well, just just be dumb, okay? It's it's one of these things, God. Uh, show show me what it is, please, God. I want you I want you to talk to me. Help me out now. I need to know. I'm I'm struggling here and tithing and and giving. Oh, I don't believe in that. Okay. But people do. They'll write that tithe check. It hurts them. And then when they put it in the plate, they watch the plate all the way down the road. And they're thinking, man, I could have used that. I could have used that. For all the good it's doing you, you should have kept it. Amen. So I've never heard folks say, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The idea is not for us to shake folk until the money falls out and then they'll be kind of blessed in spite of themselves. That ain't true. The truth is, it's a privilege to give, it's an honor. To give Amen. and to tithe, Amen. and if you don't want to do it, God'll raise up ten just Amen. like you that will.
1: Amen.
0: you'll just miss out. Amen. But it is arrogance and pride to act like that you just have what you have through your superior intellect and your hard work. God has blessed you to have what you have Amen. and if you don't honor him with what you have, you are not in position to get more. Amen. But no, you don't. You don't pay him like paying off the mafia. Thinking, well, boy, you better, you better pay that tithe because if you don't, man, you don't rob God. Who? You rob God? Boy, your pet pet cattle probably die. and your refrigerator will quit, and your transmission will fall out. Who? I'll pay him. Pay him or else. No, I said no. God is not interested in making you do anything. So said, do we have to tithe? No. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do anything, okay? God's not going to make you. Ministers shouldn't try. No. It's not our job to make anybody do anything. It's our job to proclaim the truth and teach the truth and to lead and say, come on, y'all follow. What if they don't want to? Then they won't. Be a good example. Do it yourself. So, when we got a hold of these things, I saw it. And, I, I, and Phyllis and I talked about it. And we said, okay, no more messing around with this. And we got us a God account. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. 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 Tithe and offerings. Yeah. Amen. It's His account. Yes. And we purposed that any time that any income came in, personally and ministry... We took 10 plus percent. 10 is the tithe. What above that is offering. So I think everybody ought to start at 11. At least you got some offering. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, what about 10 percent? It's a good place to start. And we take that right off the top. When the money comes in, and we see what we, the money comes in. We take that 10 plus percent right off the top. Before we look at any bills, before we think about anything we want or need, take that percentage right off the top and put it in that God account. Hallelujah. And once it goes in that God account, you cannot touch it for anything except it goes to God's works. Amen. It's His. Amen. We support our local church. And we sold to ministries, and missionaries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Phyllis and I personally have a God account. And our ministry, More Life Ministries, has a God account. And somebody said, you take 10% right off the top of the gross of the ministry? A lot more than that. Right off the top. Somebody said, gross, gross. Somebody said, well, I don't know about that gross or net. Simple. You want a gross blessing or a net blessing? You decide, alright? You, really, you decide. It's all based on your faith. If you don't have gross faith, we'll go with net faith till you do. God's not going to be mad at you. But in your heart, put Him first. In your heart, put Him first. And, and, and get it settled in you that when you want to do something in your house, and the church needs something. Yeah. What do we do? The church, church. Church. That's right. You put yours on hold and you That's take right. care of the church. That's right. You want a new car and the ministers need a new car. That's right. That's right. What do we do?
1: To the church.
0: See, folk don't like this. <laughs> but, it, you know, if we had time, I could keep you here all night long. Not planning on it. And just give you scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. Elijah, you remember him? God sent him to the brook. Birds came and fed him. Then he sent him to that widow at Zarephath. He came there. And She came out. She's out there, you know, gathering some sticks. And he said, "Uh, could you bring me some water? Famine is on. No food anywhere. And she said, okay. And as she's going, he said, could you bring me a little bite to eat? Well, that's like asking for gold. And she looked at him she said, Oh, you know, man of God, I, all I've got is this little bit of meal and this little bit of oil and I'm gathering some sticks here to build a fire and I was going to make just a little cake or two out of it and, and my son and I are going to eat it and I guess that's our last meal. Then I guess we die. And listen to what he says next. <laughs> Bring me a little cake first. Now, man, if that had been today... Reverend Elijah would have been on every talk show and front of every paper. Rascal preacher takes food out of widow's son's mouth. <laughs> and there have been some rascals. And there have been some people that use scriptures like these to, to do wrong things. But is that true? What, what's the principle there? And now you can see why God sent him to her. Because in her duress, I mean, we're talking about taking food out of your baby's mouth. She looked at him and had enough faith to say, okay, I'll be right back. And she made him a cake first. And what happened to her? She did not run out while people were dying in the streets. Her meal barrel and her oil crews did not run out until there was plenty come in. Because she put God first. When God gave the promised land to the Israelites, and they crossed the River Jordan and they got to Jericho, He told them, He said, now this first one is mine. Did you hear that now? He said, this first one, all the spoil of Jericho, all that don't touch any of it, because if you do, you'll be accursed, it's mine. And you remember they, find, they took it supernaturally and in Achan, he saw a bar of gold and a suit of clothes, he thought he had to have it. So he, he grabbed it and it was a curse to him and his whole family, it ruined them. But why did God say that? Give me the first one. It's always and is and will always be a part of honoring God. Yes. So some way putting him first. Amen. And after that, he didn't say, all right, now I want an AI and I want the rest of it. No, the rest of them, he said, take it. Amen. I guess God could have said 90 percent's mine. You'll do fine on 10 but ten, that's less than the government asked for. That's right. <laughs> Get this though, God's not asking for it. Amen. He said it's His. Amen. Now it's up to you whether you acknowledge it or whether you don't. But it's His, and I tell you this, you will not keep it. You cannot keep it. If you do, the curse will consume it plus... It won't be God trying to be mean to you or anything. It's just the way it's set up. You cannot keep it. People say, well, I, I, can't, I can't afford to. It's a matter of faith. It's got nothing to do with affording. Amen. I've, I've been where anybody that would say that. I've been there. We, we've been in duress where we made the decision, well, we, we'll wait. And, and, and we'll catch it up. Bad call. <laughs> Bad decision. <laughs> Bad call. Let's analyze what, what, what a person's doing there. We, we, we get paid. We got X amount of bills, totals to so much. And actually, it's, our check is not enough to take care of what we owe. And we got tithing. So what are we going to do? Let's, let's, let's analyze it now. Okay. Let's say we say, God, I'm sorry. And people use this. Well, I don't want to be a bad witness in the community. So I thank God would rather I paid my bills. And he understands. Reasoning. Not scripture. Because right. what are you doing? You're saying, God, you're acting like that's yours. That's right. And you can choose to do what you want to with it. That's right. It's either yours or it's not. That's right. Right? right? So if it's his, you're saying, God, if it's okay, I'm going to borrow this. <laughs> that's right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay a bill or two with it. And then I'm going to believe you to give me the money to pay you back, okay? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) Or, would you come out better saying, God, (laughs) this is yours. And I know that you're where this came from, and you're where the rest of what I need is coming from. And I return this to you gladly, and I say, I'm believing you for the rest of what I need. Do you think your faith would work better? Knowing you've put God first. Knowing that you've obeyed Him. Absolutely. You know, analyze this one. You know, if something's going on and, and the Lord deals with you. So, uh, you know, Sunday morning and some, something's going on and church needs something. And the Lord says, you know, you, let's say you got a 10 and a, and a 20 and a 100. And the Lord deals with you. So that 100 in there. Someone says, well, He always deals with you to give the biggest. I disagree. I disagree. But sometimes he would. Just you need to be led. Now I'm talking about, I'm talking about giving beyond your tithe. Now, yes. Yes. Amen. and uh, and you and and you stop and you think, well, I see what have I got coming up the rest of the week? <laughs> let's see. Oh man, I got that too. Shoo! So you reach and get the, uh, the 20. 20. the twenty is good. Somebody else will probably give a lot too, and you put it in. <laughs> what if everybody's thinking somebody else will give a lot? What if everybody did what you do? How would the kingdom be doing? <laughs> so let's say you got to 20. You skipped over that 100. You think, man, I'm, I'm going to need that. And you will. And, and, and you got to 20 and, and you put it in there. And, and you say, okay, glory to God. Why why didn't you obey? Why didn't you do what you felt like you should have done? Because, not because you couldn't afford it, because of a lack of faith. Because you just were not convinced that God could get that back to you by the time you're going to need it. That's That's the problem. Now don't you misunderstand me? I've seen people get worked up in deals and, and give beyond their faith and give beyond the direction that God was giving them. And that's bad and that's not that's not right. Do not give because you're pulled emotionally, and don't give based on needs. Well, so and so needs it. Well, you need to be led still. Amen. Do not be led by appearances. Well, they look like they need it. That's not why you should give. You need to be led with what you give to ministries and what you give to ministers and what you give to brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to be sensitive about giving totally. Maybe somebody behind you. Maybe somebody in front of you. Maybe somebody lives beside you or works beside you. Maybe somebody's not even a Christian. Amen. Amen. The Lord deals with you to do it. Do it. It is an expression of love. Go to 2 Corinthians. Are we having fun yet? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Glory. Yeah. This is an area that a lot of people do not like to talk about and they don't want to hear talk about it because in their hearts they know they're not doing right. So they don't want to hear about it because they know that they're not putting God first. They know they'll spend sixty thousand on a new car, but they wouldn't even dare think about writing a church a check for sixty thousand. No, are you kidding? No way. They'll knock out walls and remodel their house and they'll spend money on what they like, on hunting or fishing, or or this or that, and just spend all kind of money on it. Be honest with yourself. Get out your stuff. Get out your statements. Lay it down. What did you spend on you? And what did you sow and give? That's right. and, and have a wake-up call. That's right. And be honest with yourself about where you're at and what you've been doing. It'll answer all kinds. What did the Lord say? Consider your ways. Yes. Consider them. What are you doing? And you may have to do what we did. At this particular juncture I'm talking about, we were in debt up to our eyes. And uh, the Lord, I, I begin to press into this, and the Lord said, "You need to sow. You need to put me first. I need to, my things need to be foremost in your thinking, in your giving, in your sowing. And you can't do that with all the debt and all the payments you got going out. So liquidate. I begin to sell stuff. Finally, got down to my new sports car. <laughs> I'd only had it a month or so." The Lord said, I don't care if you have three of these, but your priorities have got to be right. And this is taking too much of your resources for where you are. So a lot of times people are trying to act like they're at a further place than what they really are. Amen. Oh, that's right. Amen. So I did it. I bit the bullet and went and sold it. And I had a new pick, a uh, late model pickup, and the Lord said, you still need to tighten your belt. So I sold it. And I rode with my wife. For a year and a half, and we sold things and we liquidated and we why? Because we had a poverty spirit. No, because we had to get the balance changed. Amen. Did you hear me now? Of, instead of spending so much on ourselves. We, we, what would you do with that money that you're freeing up? Well, we begin to become partners with different ministries and sow more into the church. And, you know, 50 here and 50 here. and Then we bump this up to 100. And, and then we kept doing this month after month and year after year. And then some of them we doubled every year. We went from 50 to 100. Then from 100 to actually to 250. And then we went from 250 to 500 a month. And then some of them went from 500 to 1,000 a month. And when you get to where you're sowing in thousands, it comes back in multiplied thousands. We started getting chunks, ten thousand at a time, twenty thousand at a time, fifty thousand at a time. Amen. Never happened when I was struggling with tithing. <laughs> <laughs> but we had already settled it. The tithe is the Lord's, plus an offering. Amen. And we gave 1% and 2% and, and an extra 5%, extra 10%. Amen? I'd like to see it at 50%. Amen? And yet I have people want to argue with me. Well, I just don't know if a ministry ought to tithe. If they have to or supposed to. Well, I just don't know, you know, about a church or about this. That's what... It's never supposed to stop anywhere or with anybody. Everybody. is supposed to be honoring God. Putting Him first. Amen. Read this with me. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. Verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that In a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Do you have to have a lot to be liberal? No, you do not. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but this is the the second thing that he dealt with me about prosperity. And that is that the the truth that the liberal soul shall be made fat. You've got to overcome stinginess. You don't, you know, uh, get out your calculator when when it comes tip time. I'm telling, I'm, and I'm talking about stingy with your husband, stingy with your wife, stingy with your kids. Start right there at home. You you got to break yourself from all this. My Lord, woman, you think money grows on trees? You will never prosper like that always belly aching and hollering about this everything's too high and everything costs too much that's just because you have little faith amen. and little vision amen. when you've got a bunch of money coming in it do not bother you that's right. pay it that's right. and if you like getting paid well pay other people well sow right. it right. don't try to wrestle with everybody till you get all of their profit marked off amen <laughs> Well, I like a deal. Well, I do too. And I come from, I'm a third generation horse trader. I mean, my granddaddy and daddy were experts. Man, they'd wrestle with a guy until he was hurting. I learned all the tricks never tell them, make them tell you. When they get as low as they go, make them throw something in. I knew them. but the Lord changed me I said the Lord changed me he said don't do that he said I can deal with people to give you favor and give you deals on things but don't have an aversion or mind paying somebody well for their product or for their work pay them well, pay them extra sow it to them amen, you want to get paid well pay them well sowing and reaping, it's universal Be free. Someone says well, I ain't got much. Exactly. We're talking about how to get there. (laughs) It's a freedom. It's liberating. I've done it. I've done it many, many times. All I had was a 5 or a 20. And the Lord dealt with me. I whipped it out and gave it to Him and just went away happy. And I've never lacked and I've never wanted. But there will be tests that you have to pass. And you'll have to overcome your selfishness to do it. Amen. I know we're getting late, but I got another story I got to tell. You. Amen. I, I know this takes time, and it might not be so exciting, but I'm telling you, friends, this can be revolutionary. Amen. Amen. Your whole, life, I know, our life has totally changed. God has done some amazing things for us, given us nicer houses than we'd ever thought about having, and. Able to give. I mean, write big checks and give them. He gave us a jet. Paid for. And that's pretty big, ain't it? But we hadn't been struggling over tithing for a long time. When I was going to Ramah, we were believing God for every meal. Every pair of socks. Every tank of gas. We had nobody, no human underwriting us. No church. My parents weren't able to send them. I mean, they did help some. But nobody was able to, you know, just underwrite us. And we're we're believing God. And uh, I needed some shoes desperately. We're in there training for the ministry. We're supposed to dress, uh, you know, not too slouchily and best you can. uh, I needed shoes. Mine were terrible. And... And uh, I claimed some shoes. I acted on what I'm learning about faith. I claimed a pair of shoes and stood for them. And here came in the mail, $50 from an unexpected channel. Boy, I'm happy. Glory to God, you know. Of course, this was a few years ago. And you couldn't buy the nicest pair for 50 but you could get a pair. And I'm excited. And that day in prayer school, I'm laying in the floor. Just, I'm praying good today, man, because I, I got the victory, man. i and uh, hallelujah! I'm a praying away, and as I lay there and got quiet, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, distinctly, there was a young man and his wife that was there ministering in the afternoon there in healing school during that particular week. And the Lord spoke to me laying on the floor and said, "He he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Specific, brown shoes. Never forget it." And I said, "Well." brown shoes (laughs) glory so I just went back to praying away you know and uh, I just thought that's interesting and as I lay there and got quiet again here it came up again he's believing me this young man that's ministering and preaching in the afternoons he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes I thought well Lord I can encourage him because you know I know what you did for me I know that you'll do it for him Bless him, Lord. Get those, get those shoes to him. I'll just put my faith with it, with his. Thank you, Lord, for them brown shoes. <laughs> so I'm laying there. It came up again. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Sow your shoe money to him, and you'll not lack for shoes. I'll take care of you. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm a first-year Reynolds student at the time, and, I'm, and I don't, didn't know a lot of things. I, I thought maybe the enemy is trying to mess me up. <laughs> so I, I rebuked that. I said, <laughs> "Rebuke that! I, here we've stood and believed God, got our shoe money. Here the devil's trying to steal my shoe money." I rebuked that. But I got quiet again, and here it came up again. I begin to realize this is the same Holy Ghost that led me to Ramah, that helps me all the time. This ain't the devil. And He said, uh, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Sow him your shoe money. Now, now, why am I saying this? There were, I, this is just one. I don't know at the times this kind of thing has happened. It's a test. It's an opportunity. Amen. You demonstrate your faith. God knows what's coming up and He knows what you need to sow so He can set you up for this or that. And it's also a matter of love. If you love yourself more than you love other people, more than you love God, you will not obey. If you don't have faith that God can restore it and get it back to you by the time you need it more, you will not obey. So why don't people obey? Lack of love and lack of faith. But love would rather see you have it than me. Amen. 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 Faith says, I can do it quick. God will give me some more. Amen. Amen. But we're at different levels of that. So I said, okay, Lord, all right. Okay, all right. Fine. So he preached that afternoon. I went to the service and I watched him. And I looked at his shoes. They didn't look too bad to me. <laughs> <laughs> Mine looked a whole lot worse, than, worse than his. <laughs> but again, see, you don't go by that. Don't you? Don't go by sad stories or holes in the bottom of shoes or any such. A, you don't. Don't do that. Be led. <laughs> and so after the service, I walked up and I said, uh, "I said, brother, I said, do you believe in God for a pair of brown shoes?" He said, glory. <laughs> he called his wife. He said, come over here. Come over. She came over. He said, tell her what you just told me. And I said, well, I said, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? They both held their hands up in there and started praising God. So, oh, glory to God. Glory to God. And they looked at me and they said, just a few minutes ago, which happened to be the same time I was laying in the floor praying, we joined hands in the speaker's room and asked the Lord for a pair of brown shoes. I said, well, I said, here's fifty dollars towards them. And I took my fifty dollars, which was all I had, and I put it in their hand, and I left, moneyless (laughs) and shoeless. But as I walked across the parking lot and cold wind was blowing out to my little ugly green nineteen sixty nine Chevy pickup I was happy. Amen. I said, I was happy. I felt like I was floating about that high Amen. off the ground because I, Keith Moore, first-year Roman student, had heard from God. Amen. Brown shoes, buddy, brown. <laughs> I had heard from God. Amen. And I had been used of God to meet somebody's need. Amen. And the words of Jesus were ringing in my ears. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I was glad to do it. And I'm telling you, the Lord's my witness. People have bought me shoes. Bought me shoes. I've had people come up to me with credit cards and say, Here, go buy a nice pair of shoes. And then tell me, I don't mean a couple of hundred dollars. I mean a pair of shoes. I've had people send me shoes from different places. I mean, shoes! I'm talking about brand new ones, my size. God's good, God's faithful. I said He's good, He's faithful. Hallelujah. Let me wind this up. 2 Corinthians. Verse 3 To their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing. Everybody say willing. Willing Willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gifts and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They were pleading with Paul, let us get in on this. He wasn't begging them to give, they were pleading with him, let us give. Let us get in on this. And this they did, not as we hope. but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Are they putting God first? Does He have them and all of them? Are they seeking first the kingdom of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at the ninth chapter and the 7th verse. 9-7 He said every man According as he purposes. Everybody say purposes. As he purposes in his heart. Not as somebody works him up. Not as he sees a big need or hears somebody tell a sad story. But as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. giver. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friend, I'm, I have this big in my heart, I don't want to overstress it, but I'm telling you, the Lord wants changes in these areas. He He does not want grudging giving or necessity give. He doesn't want anybody doing something because they feel like they've got to do it. He doesn't want anybody doing something and they don't really want to do it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't have to have it. God can raise up a sinner on the other side of the world to write one big check and fix it. But He wants His people to get the reward and the benefit out of it. But His thing is a willing heart. Not grudgingly. Not of necessity. But how? Cheerful. 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 Want to do it. Glad to do it. Wish it was more. Amen. And believing for it to be more. Amen. Amen. Saying more, that's plenty where that came from. I'm moving on up from here. Amen. Amen? Amen. As he purposed in his or as he chose for one thing over another, there will be choices all through your life. You say, well, I'd like to get this. I'd like to have that today. But you say, no, I can't do that and do what I've got on my heart to give. So we'll have to wait on that. Are we wanting to expand and develop our house? Yeah, but the church is doing this or that. We've got to take care of that first. And when we get that done, then we'll do this. We don't build our house before we build the Lord's house. We put Him first. We put His things first. We seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what did He tell us? All these things will be added to you. Stand up, why don't you? Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church.